things I do at the very beginning often is ask a writer to describe the book, for, partly for anyone that hasn't, but not perhaps in a blurb sort of way, just where, where they, often where they stand with it. I've interviewed some writers who it's been some time off to publication. For you, I guess at the moment it's, it's just coming up, is it? Is that, I mean, I always wonder if it's a nerve-wracking moment. Um, no, I'm, I'm, uh, um, I, I mean, you know, I, I live off anxiety. <laughs> if, I, if I weren't anxious, I didn't know what, I wouldn't know what to do. But, but uh, um, I have always been very bad at summarizing books uh, or, or say what a book is about because uh, this is the bit in a book review which I struggle with most when I have to do a plot summary or something because one has to do a plot summary in, in, in a book review uh, especially for a newspaper book review so uh, um, uh, what are my feelings about the book I wanted to write a, a book a realist novel that was going to have at once a pushing of the realist form towards some anti realist mm. modes which would break realism at the same time while keeping the realist concerns intact uh, and I also wanted to write a formally more experimental book querying uh, the realist novel so I wanted to take all the connective tissue of the realist novel out of it so like you know if you think of you know what makes a novel cohere you think of plot or character or a, you know the continuity of a story and stuff and I wanted to take apart as many of those things as possible and see if I could still have something that would answer to the name novel mm. um, and I mean I mean in some ways uh, I think the book fell into my head uh, quite serendipitously because I was rereading um, Naipaul's great masterpiece in a free state mm. and he too like you know in in a free state 1971 I think uh, yes 1971 uh, uh, is 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 uh, is a it's a wonderfully formally audacious book I think he has three uh, novellas bookended by a prologue and an epilogue and not a single of those narratives join in any kind of obvious way that you would think and yet it is a novel so I started asking myself the question why is it a novel uh, um, and it returns very interesting answers and uh, I'm not going to tell you what my answers are because my answers may be different from your answers and I, uh, and I don't want to tell readers what to think because you know the writer has a very you know the writer has too much power over the interpretation of a book <laughs> and this is a power that I think they shouldn't abuse because uh, um, in, in, in a way I mean I don't read my books so uh, uh, I don't see them as a reader sees them but my interpretation should not be any more weighty or uh, than any other mm -hmm. reader's interpretation. So I want, and, and you know, when the moment a writer says something about a book, instantly readers assume, oh, the writer's written this, so they must know more about the book than <laughs> anyone else. And that sets a certain kind of limits of interpretation, and I'm uncomfortable with that kind of thing. Why, why push against that? I mean, it sounds like you're, this is of ambivalence rather than an outright desire to. To, un to, un to unpick it, that you want certain aspects of, of realism, but 
but as you say, formally you're... No, finish your question. It feels a little bit in, in, in keeping with, it's rather sort of late 20th, early 21st century preoccupation with, with this idea of short stories being yeah. interlinked, and which seems to sort of crescendo with David Chorley's book, yeah. which people got then very sort of yeah. unsettled by because it didn't yeah. seem to, to have the interlinked. Yeah. But why choose that? Why? Okay, um, so, um, God, I don't know where mm. to, I, I can't think of the point of entry where I can answer this question. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, uh, le le let's, let's start with realism. I, I, uh, uh, I think of it as a, it's, it's a very unsatisfactory form to, to most writers. At the same time, I find myself absolutely, endlessly fascinated by it. And, and my previous novel was a kind of like, like trying to engage with all the rules of conventional realism uh, um, at the same time as I smuggled in uh, a kind of uh, uh, thinking about the uh, ideological underpinnings of the realist novel into it. Uh, but I wanted to do it in as seamless a way as possible without mm. breaking that the illusion that the realist novel creates and and but, but I, I I I feel it's such a, an unsatisfactory form I feel you know it's um, it's it's the least realistic of all forms I feel in some ways I mean its artifices are so obvious and it requires I mean I mean a realist novel is the least realist thing that there is yeah. I mean to talk about to, to represent something realistically means like it's not possible to do it within a novel uh, uh, because it'll be endless and it'll be huge and you know when you start of, telling a story yeah, yeah. for example but, yeah because a story Im immediately any kind of mimesis or representation involves sort of you know selection mm. and that alone you have you know that that filtering process alone has created its own artifice and we just begin from that point and, you know lots of writers have grappled with this i think you know flaubert notably in Bouvard and Pécuchet and Dictionary Received Ideas. Uh, um, and I find that kind of strain of thinking about realism uh, uh, extremely intellectually satisfying. So, But I had to pass through that house of the realist novel in order <laughs> to sort of come out at the other end and then move forward to push realism in other directions and see if we could break that form. Uh, and you know, nowadays, um, if you're not talking to modernism, you're not seen off as an ex you're not seen as, as an experimental writer, or you're doing kooky things like having black printed pages mm. with white letters and, and crazy things like, or writing books and propositions, mm. numbered propositions. I and and I and I think that you know a a, a lot of you know uh, I I think avant garde is a word greatly misunderstood and misused, mm. but I think one can do experimental things within the realist novel forms in sly and sneaky ways uh, uh, while uh, uh, while still being concerned about the world and representing certain and saying certain important things about the world and that is important for me you know the writer must never disappear up herself you know so um, so many of those modernist experiments now seem to be so uh, uh, 
enclosed and sometimes self-enclosed actually I feel I don't ever have this problem with Samuel Beckett because he's mm. saying something he's saying something meaningful about the world but perhaps the most ultimately meaningful thing about the world but no so I so I also I also want to I'm, I don't think I'm good at telling a story. I'm not good at plot. I feel so. I feel I have to master those things. Okay. So yeah, and no, and and I, and I wanted to say something about the world. I wanted to say something about uh, 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 you know inequality mm. interests me a lot, and uh, the Indian, particular Indian stripe of it, is very egregious. Is there is there a way that the form, which I think encourages the reader constantly to to read across, to yeah. find motifs, to hear echoes, oh, yes, to suspect yeah, to yes, suspect yes. them sometimes. And there's a, for example, there's a boy glimpsed at the end yeah, of, yeah. beside his father in a car. Now, whether that can't be the same boy that we know is in a car beside his father at the very beginning, yeah, but you start yeah. absolutely. So, so absolutely, you're, you're totally putting your finger on it. Yeah, so the whole thing is echoes, and the sort of you know, I've, I've sort of been very conscious about like musicality of the book mm. and and so um, uh, a book for me is so much tectonics I think you know and I love books that have an internal rhyming system if you will a set of assonances and dissonances and echoes uh, um, this is the poetry academic poetry <laughs> training that's coming coming back to haunt me so no so I wanted to get all those and and you know there are people who have written very cohesive books with uh, uh, fractured narratives you know David Mitchell mm -hmm. comes to mind for example but I wanted to do it, it this in a in a very non David Mitchell kind of way I mean you know his you know you'll find out that his structures are so huge and ambitious and he keeps everything in his head and you will see everything uh, join up in, 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 in very like unexpected ways. I mean, mm. Cloud Atlas, for example, mm. I think is just so wonderful in, in, in what he does with structure and, and um, the tectonics. Uh, but this one, I thought, you know, a properly realistic novel would, not, would mean that things don't join up. Now is that to do, how does that fit say with with the content? It's difficult to describe the content as you, you obviously <laughs> worried about when I asked at the beginning, because there are a number of different stories over five sections of it's not something slightly telescopic that the that the chapters get slightly longer until until the very the very end and then there's this sort of strange stream of consciousness um epilogue coda or but but it's it's neither of those things because it sort of returns us to, to, to the beginning. But, yeah. So it's a novel about inequality, that, that, and there's lots of ways for us to think about that. Is that kind of dissonance, the using a form which perhaps tilts towards uh, kinds of resolution, but constantly un undercutting it? it? How does that fit with the kind of the themes, I guess you? you yeah. Want? So I, you know, uh, this this uh, friend of mine who is a very very fine writer, uh, Anjali Joseph. Mm. She, uh, we are in the middle of having a Q and A which she's doing with me and she talks about how um, uh, you know uh, there were 40 pages left to the end and she was thinking oh wow how is he going to tie this all up this is going to take a lot of work and how is he going to do it in 40 pages and she was 
she felt the very fact that it it like instead of tying everything up it ends with fraying and 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 uh, chaos mm. and and, um, and and that is i feel the uh, uh, that is a realistically indian novel i feel that Why yeah. that? the whole i feel the whole state is is in indian state which has held together miraculously i feel for the last 70 years since independence um uh i i i feel you know it's it's fracturing perhaps it's not fracturing in the way of you know different states seceding and becoming different countries you know that that is not going to happen because the 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 the, uh, the state machinery machinery of india is too strong and too militarized and militant in order to let that kind of thing happen though there have been secessionist movements mm. in say the northeast of india in assam and stuff uh, um uh, uh, that's not, I, I think the country is like uh, the, the the experience of chaos is all internal then mm. I mean you know uh, uh, you can if on, on, a, on a good day which are very few and far between on a good day you can see this as it's the most pluralistic country I can think of like so many disparate sets of people languages cultures beliefs all held together and I think it's it's an enormous success in some ways mm. that I feel that it hasn't become Europe or Yugoslavia or you know something like that you know uh, uh, um, it's held together by I don't know what holds it together really this is this is an interesting question to, I don't have an answer for it uh, but uh, but on other days I feel it's a country that is so marred by divisions and along you know caste religion and wealth mm. gender too i think is is one of india's dirtiest dirtiest things mm. so uh yeah so i feel you know i meant the title not just to echo uh, uh, uh my pole with whom mm. i'm having a conversation <laughs> if it's not too hubristic a thing to say but I also meant to people to think of Nehru's speech in '47 when the handover in, at independence, uh, the tryst with destiny speech, mm. um, and and you know the other ramification or echo of the word freedom is chaos too. Is a kind of freedom things don't go here and they spin apart and stuff. your own artistic um, playfulness in this yeah. novel, but for the characters, I'm speaking at random, so in, perhaps slightly in your, <laughs> inspired by the novel, but so, say, uh, it's, not, it's not just a theme, but it's a, a fact in the, in, in the novel of, say, food, which is incredibly important and richly described in terms of, of cooking, but also exists as, as a kind of absence for yeah. so many characters. They, they cannot get enough. Yeah. They cannot get, yeah. Now, this works with the novel also as a, so it's a theme, it's a motif that yeah. we're constantly yeah. playing. Yeah, uh, yeah, food, of course. I mean, you know, food is one way of looking at haves and have-nots. Mm. It's a very good lens to... I did this with Lives of Others, too, mm. actually. I think, you know, that that food could be just such an... Like, it's, it's an eloquent way of engaging, I feel, you know. Uh, most people I know like food or like reading about food or like eating or something. And that it's a way of, you know, bringing them in and then saying, look, 
we can think about food in different ways. So, uh, you know, I, I, um, when I delivered the book um, uh, last year in September, I remember coming here for a meeting with my editors, one of whom died last month actually. So, uh, and, and I remember both of them saying to me, uh, Neil, this book is very bleak. I said, well, don't say that to him. I mean, no, I think actually, well, yes, but but it's less bleak than my previous book. I mean, you know, there are still things that I, I think I uh, am mindful of. I was mindful of putting in some lives that have a happier trajectory. I think Millie's life, for mm. example, I think, you know, um, uh, I remember one of my friends, uh, Patrick Gale, he, mm. he, he read the book and I say, he wrote back to me to say, I hope Millie's daughter grows up and becomes a criminal lawyer and <laughs> buys her a fuck-off fridge <laughs> that kind of has all the food she wants to eat. I thought, well, yes, this is because in India, education is aspiration. Education in, in India is a way of, uh, you know, leaving behind, you know, moving to a better life, mm. I think, you know, so... The uh, minister made me feel tremendously sort of angry, frustrated, because she obviously had enormous talent that was just not going to be a part of her future. And there's a wonderful moment which is where she's crying on the bus and realises that it's almost as if she's crossing into adulthood age, yeah. I don't know, 10, which seems to be played off at the moment where so Sony's fa father yeah. cries from frustration when his wife, uh, yeah. because his wife is, is desperately ill, he can't get medical help for her, yeah, yeah. and the crying turns him into a, yeah. into a child, and there are yeah. these sorts of constant moments yeah, which yeah. are being played off, but yeah. I thought Millie was the, 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 I, the hero of the... I think she, like, you know, she has, I mean, the older I get, I feel that I should find uh, um, uh, happiness for my characters, it's <laughs> a mark of maturity. I think bleak and, bleak and tragic books are for the young, and the older you get, the, the more likely you are to sort of relax and forgive your characters and, and find and find happier mm. fate destinies for them. Ace Bart once said this to me. She said, the older, like, you know, mature writers give their make they find it in themselves to give happiness to their characters. But, but. Yeah. <laughs> I give <laughs> <them>. <laughs>